Hey guys, Alexa Curtis here, and you're listening to my weekly podcast, This Is Life Unfiltered. So I've been trying to have a mix of founders on who really are incredible people, but also people with companies that are either food-based or consumer-based to inspire you guys during this time, whether you're aspiring entrepreneurs or you already have a company, to not give up during the crazy time that COVID is. Before I get into this episode, I want to ask you guys if you can subscribe to the podcast on the podcast store or write a review so I know who you want to hear next on This Is Life Unfiltered. And along with that, you should also check out the Be Fearless Summit page where we're focusing on tons of entrepreneurs that are part of the next Be Fearless Summit that will hopefully be coming back to Berkeley. Uh, And we're focusing on inspiring you guys throughout this time period with quotes from them and help. So I've got a founder on today who's a bit younger and this is a really cool company. So my dad is a diabetic and I've talked about this quite often. And I remember growing up and always was so difficult for me to get my dad to eat healthy. And I think that if you are familiar with people who are diabetic, uh, they either eat really clean or they eat really bad. So I've got Nick Hamburger here today. He is the founder of the first egg white protein chip Quavos on the market. And you've had such an incredible story. So thank you for joining the podcast today. Because I know it started when you were almost in college, and then you also had a co-founder, and now you do it on your own, and I'm just so impressed. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, So, you know, it started with Zach, my co-founder, who's type 1 diabetic, like your dad, and, um, you know, he would cook eggs a lot as a low-carb, convenient snack, and he does shots Um, um, each time he eats carbs to kind of um, regulate his blood sugar, and... um, so it's just convenient for snacks um, for him to not have to do shots. So he'll try to avoid carbs. Um, so anyway, he was cooking eggs as, as he does a lot. And he was eating the crispy edges of an omelet that are left in, a, in the pan when you cook eggs. And he's like, hey, these, these crunchy pieces of egg white are kind of like chips, right? They're salty. They've got a good uh, crispy texture. And so the, that from, from that uh, piece, he kind of got the idea for a, a chip made out of egg whites. And called me up we started working on it and kind of uh did tons and tons of r&d i know that right now has got to be such an unusual time for you you're how old uh 22 yeah same and i mean this experience is is nothing that i ever would have imagined any founder to have ever dealt with so how has coronavirus shaped your opinion on being a business owner or even more than that um the way that you structured your company Gosh, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess more generally, it it just kind of shows you that uh, macroeconomics are a thing, right? And and there's some things you just can't control. And, and you know, I I feel lucky that we're we sell packaged food in grocery stores and on Amazon, right? And that's one of the protected industries right now. But um, of course, I never picked to be in this industry because I foresaw that uh, something like this was coming. So there's just so much kind of luck involved which which is is frustrating sometimes but i think it points to um you know a lot of entrepreneurs kind of plan on just starting a bunch of different companies over many years so not you can't really foresee what will happen in in any specific uh time period you know for for us specifically we focus a lot more online now because grocery stores are um all the stores are kind of focused on keeping the shelves stocked and no one's taking on a ton of new products. So for us, it's been 
a push for online marketing and just trying to grow our, our Amazon sales. Have you shifted your business model in, in any way? Like, uh, I don't even know how it works at a time like this because people are so cautious about the stuff that they touch and, and all those kind of things. So how does that work when you're going uh, to sell it to say Amazon? Or I know you're also in some local Chicago stores. I mean, has that changed at all? Um, you know, the, the main thing that's changed is with stores, we can't do tastings, you know, in-store demos. So that those were super effective for us because we have a really novel product and people often need to taste it to understand what an egg white chip is. Um, although it has a similar texture to a pop chip or any other light, uh, light country snack. But, mm -hmm. um, so without demos, we've had to get creative. You know, we're trying to get influencers to post to tell people, Hey, the products at whole food stores, in Illinois, um, we're trying, we're actually handing out samples to the workers at stores, um, because they, they are still allowed to have samples. It's just the customers who can um, so we're, we're doing everything we can to get creative, um, without those in-store demos. Taking it back a few steps to way before COVID and the experience that you had having a co-founder in college to then now running this on your own. I know there's so many aspiring entrepreneurs out there who are like, I can't do this on my own. And it's so hard. And you had a few actually, I think involved the first time you told me in Quavos. So uh, how did you guys end up mutually deciding that you would take it on your own? And what advice would you have for aspiring entrepreneurs who are too scared to do it on, on their own, but can kind of look up to you as an inspiration? Um, you know, I think I would say like starting with a bunch of people who are starting on your own, both can work. Um, I would say if you're starting with people, the one, the one mistake we made is we didn't, we didn't kind of have a person for each role we wanted in the company. It was just a group of friends. And so that can be tough because that in that case, what happened to us is it's not like we, one person wanted to do operations, one wanted to do sales, one wanted to do marketing, right? We all had kind of similar personality. So it didn't split up, up that, that easily. You know, I would say don't be don't be daunted by going out on your own. There's a lot that you can do, and I think it forces you also to be really narrow-minded and really focused, which is important as an entrepreneur to not to not do everything all at once. <laughs> but say, hey, this is my product. I want to sell it in you know a couple main channels, and um, that's something we were not focused at the beginning. We were all over the place, and I've had to become more focused over time. Yeah, of course. Which I think so many entrepreneurs think of or become the, the longer that they have this idea around what is one thing when you started this company and now being further along into it that you didn't expect when you became an entrepreneur? Mm. There's, there's definitely a lot of things, you know, that, that, uh, you don't expect, but, um, I guess just, you know, how long certain things can take, right? Mm -hmm. Like you kind of, you start out, you're like, oh, I'm going to make this great product. And then I'm going to get into Whole Foods and Walmart and Costco. And not that I thought that would be easy, but I just thought if a store is interested, there you go. You're on the shelf, right? But it's actually, um, you know, it's a long process to pitch them and to get them to review the product. And then if they accept it, it's usually anywhere from a four month to 12 month wow. uh, time period when they've accepted it, but it doesn't launch, you know, because it takes them a long time to organize everything for new products. So, um, you know, just getting used to the timelines there and the timelines of business. And like, if we want to move manufacturing facilities, which we're doing later this year, that's something you decide on six to, to eight months in advance. And so, you know, just coming from being, uh, 
not ADD, but I just, <laughs> I, I wasn't used to timelines like this. And so I've had to become a little more patient. And what about the best part of being a young entrepreneur? Um, I like the flexibility. Like I like being able to work from anywhere um, and um, control my hours. And, uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't been too much of a struggle because I've traditionally just been, I guess, more disciplined with my time. So I uh, like sometimes I'll squeeze in a, an episode of TV in the middle of the day mm -hmm. or take a nap or something, which obviously you've got to regiment that and, and not do that too much. And I think I balance it. But it's nice just to have um, the ability to control my hours and not be at any, on anyone else's schedule. I've always been really curious by consumer-based companies, the ones that sell to stores. I mean, you're so young. So has age ever been a factor when you're sitting in front of these executives at these major stores trying to convince them to, to take a chance on your product or never? Yeah, you know, I think like overall in a lot of situations, it's really helpful because people love our story and are, it's just feeling like, oh, that's the American dream, right? Like young kids going at it. And um, so most most of the time people like it, but we definitely get more like free advice than, than I think we would if we were 40 and ex experiencing the industry, like, which can be nice to get advice, but sometimes it's, it feels like people don't don't take you as seriously or maybe don't take your your take on the industry or or your take on strategy as seriously because um, you don't have that experience so it cuts both ways but overall I think we get helped more than uh, uh, more than not I was talking to a young founder earlier she's like 15 I don't even know if founders the right word but she had an idea and I asked her the same question and I remember being 12 and 13 and it was so hard getting a foot in the door at that age and at that point then I started to just lie about my age and, and say I was older because mm -hmm. it's difficult at the end of the day people don't think you can be 20 21 22 and successful in running this company so how did you exactly go about getting Quavos into these stores can you also list some of the stores that the brand is in for sure yeah so you know our biggest stores are Whole Foods and we're in the the 28 Illinois stores um Heinen's, which is in Chicago and Ohio, uh, Plum Market in Michigan and Chicago, um, Hannaford is about 150 stores in New York and Vermont and uh, Maine. And um, it, it's come in all different ways. Like sometimes, and this is rare, but sometimes the store will find you in a article or something and they'll email you and they're interested. Mm. And that's the best, right? Because yeah. the interest started on their end. And all you have to do is not you know, not screw it. Usually it's you're, you find the contact at the store who buys for snacks and um, their full-time job is to look at the snack aisle, see what's doing well um, and keep that going, see what's doing poorly and replace it with new products. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll contact the snack person at Whole Foods and just every six months or so for Whole Foods, they'll review and cut out bad products and insert new ones. Um, every store is different. Some stores only review once a year and some stores review every two months. So it's just, you kind of learn their schedule. You give them a call or shoot them an email and send samples whenever they're considering. And then you hope for the best. That's crazy. Is that, is that intimidating? I mean, these are all cold pitches you're doing to get into these stores. Most of them. At a certain point, um, if you've sent them samples like twice and it's been a year, like they kind of know you. And so then the relationship has developed a little and it's a little bit, it's nicer because they feel more comfortable with you. They like hearing the updates and the growth over mm -hmm. time. But yeah, certainly it's you kind of are just going in cold and, and hoping for the best at the, at the beginning.
And every single one of the stores that you've then cold pitched, was it always an immediate yes? You do have such a unique product on your market, on the market. Yeah, you know, we've had we've had a good amount of of pretty quick yeses. Um, some like Hannaford was very fast. Um, Heinen's was a no, but then a couple months later, they yeah yeah no. I mean, there's you know, because because a lot of times it's not about you; it's just about their situation. And like with Whole Foods, they were super interested. What was it like? It about a year and a half ago. And, but then they launched uh, a chicken chip. And so they said, hey, we launched a chicken chip, so like we might not want an egg white chip for now. Mm-hmm. But then over time, that chicken chip um, didn't do that well. A and, chicken and chip? I, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I shouldn't be promoting a competitor on, uh, <laughs> on, in the media, but uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, um, it doesn't taste like chicken. But it's very thin, very crunchy, and, mm-hmm. and it's got chicken in it. <laughs> and, um, but I don't think, I think our product tastes a bit better. It's a little more like a normal chip. And um, so then eventually they came around and they accepted us. Um, but, uh, you know, so just, it's all about their timing and, um, you know, you can't always control that, but kind of over time, if you do have a unique product, it helps. And, uh, that's what the buyers have commented on is like, we've never seen anything like this. And so that helps us just sometimes get, get that launch because they don't necessarily look at our historic, historical sales data because they don't have as much to compare it to. If you were a pretzel, they're like, okay, what's your sales data in your past stores? We'll compare that to the 10 pretzels we have in our store. It's, it's harder because you're, you're something you know that already exists. But for us, there's less to compare it to. So sometimes they'll just take the, the chance and launch us. So let me ask you, if, if you're a founder listening to this podcast and you have this idea, say you're a chicken chip, right? And you're like, I've got this really cool product and awesome, awesome branding. What is the first step? Because you had started this while you were in college. So I, I bet you were also focusing on school at the time. But you dropped out or no? Um, effectively. Like, I could always go back. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm on leave, technically. Um, but yeah, full time on this and I'm not in school at all. Okay, got it. Yeah, which is like quite common for so many founders. But had you had not started this, pro- this product line while you were in school and you did it after post-college... Would you have followed the same steps? Uh, you know, is that a storyline that you would say that other aspiring founders should follow is the cold pitching and even if they have a cool product and then just really not giving up? Or are there other certain things you can do, especially in the food market, to get your brand out there? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big other thing is obviously, you know, online sales. Um, and I would say it's kind of just whatever, whoever the customer is that's best for your product, you know, find them um, in the appropriate channels. So if, um, you know, that could be online, there's a lot of products that do really well online, including something like ours, a keto high protein product does Mm -hmm. well. Um, right. Like different energy products do really well online, like mushroom coffee or, uh, energy supplements. Um, uh, a lot of beauty products do well online. So if you can find your customer online, that's always the best in my opinion, because you're direct shipping to them. You, you have their email, you can market to them. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's just all about finding, finding your customer. And I think not going everywhere all at once, not launching in Walmart on day one, but finding ways to start to build a following, um, wherever your customer is in, in smaller outlets at the beginning.
Yeah. I love that we're the same age too, because you grew up, I think around the same time as where social media was not where it is today. And I always ask founders who have successful companies, if it wasn't for social media, would they have been more successful and least successful? So I would ask you the same thing because probably around the time that you would have started, Instagram must've just been becoming like a thing, but it wasn't the thing. I think, no, you know, we, we like, our, we got our Instagram started in 2018, and so it was already established. Um, uh, but, you know, I think it's, social media has overall been helpful. We use a lot of influencers, and Instagram influencers probably were at their peak, uh, their peak, like, influence level in 2016. So you don't so think now? They're still effective, but yeah. I, from what I've been reading, it sounds, it sounds like the golden age was, like, yeah. 2017, probably, but... Um, I don't know, you know, we're always looking to, to new things. We're looking at TikTok, TikTok right now and getting that going a little bit. And it's, you can get some really cheap, um, CPMs like cost per million views. So, uh, sorry, cost per thousand views. Um, so, you know, there's always opportunity. I, I think that's the social media game. It's just about kind of where are things not saturated? What can you do that's a little bit different? That's not yet the thing everyone does, you know? But you've also found a way to monetize not only on social media, because there are so many of these trendy companies that I think really play into social media. And obviously being in stores and whatnot, you don't just fully rely on social media to make your sales. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of our advisors were pushing. We, at the beginning, we wanted to be mostly online. And our advisor said, hey, it's not that you shouldn't be online, but there's so much volume, potential volume in stores, right? If, if you can ever work your way up to a Walgreens launch or a Costco launch. You will do more volume there than, you know, if you had the world's greatest Amazon marketing strategy. And it's true. You know, there are a handful of brands make their entire business online, but it's a real select few. And the much more more tried and true strategy for a product, uh, at least a food product, is to sell in, in grocery stores. I would think so. And I would encourage everyone who's listened to your story to think about that because I tell people this all the time, even if they're only wanting to be an influencer, if that's even like a full-time career, uh, you know, to, to think about ways you can make money offline as the brand that you are, because one day social media might not be around. I mean, Amazon could just die tomorrow, but Walgreens and Walmart and all of those will be around. So you're only 22 and I would love to know what your end goal is with Quavos. Is this the company that you want to run and for the rest of your life? Do you plan to be more of a serial entrepreneur and sell the brand eventually? Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I, I like Quavos and I think it is helping the world and it's a better for you snack, but I definitely want to have kind of a more of a social impact um, career. Definitely very passionate about mental health uh, um, and mental health curriculum and starting to get some sort of um, you know, different, different social and emotional learning programs in schools. So I think I'll probably try to do something in the education space. It could be for-profit social impact, or hopefully Quavos goes really well. I could just start a nonprofit. Um, but yeah, my hope would be to kind of transition towards that sort of work, uh, you know, in the next five years by selling the company. I love that. I love the idea of the nonprofit. Nick, where can everyone find the brand as well as yourself on social media or pick up a pair of chips? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the best place to go would be uh, to Amazon. Just type in Q-U-E-V-O-S for Quavos. But we've also got our uh, uh, Instagram, Eat Quavos, and uh, our website, Quavos.com. So 
Um, you can find us all over. Well, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to be on This Is Life Unfiltered today. And kudos to all of your success near and far. And I really appreciate you having created a company that's a fit for people with diabetes, including someone like my dad. So I know that the next time I stop home, I will be forcing him to eat some egg white protein chips. And everyone else, follow the podcast on social media at at T-I-L-U podcast, as well as my personal social media at Alexa underscore Curtis. And have an awesome rest of your week.